Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. That looks like a great print. When you work on an investigation, you give it everything you got. That's why we went into law enforcement, helped those who couldn't help themselves. We're driven to solve these cases. And working these cases, in particular missing persons cases, it's devastating to the family. They have no answers. In the fall of 1989, Annie Tehan, a single mother of three in her 20s, went missing. People don't just disappear, but that really happened in this case. She just disappeared and vanished without a trace. Michael Plon was Annie Tehan's boyfriend. He was a decorated sailor in the U.S. Navy and became the center uh, of interest in this case. Thank you, Chief Lodge. He had a complicated uh, role within the Navy. He was an electronic surface warfare specialist. You've got to be very sharp in order to execute that mission. When Annie met Michael, she thought that she had found the man of her dreams. It really seemed like they were about to start a life together. He was good to her, he treated her nice, he swept her off her feet. They moved to South Carolina and Annie got pregnant and Annie is just ecstatic. She could not have been happier. But it wasn't long before this story took a unexpected and tragic twist. Michael told the police that on November 6th, 1989, he woke up and Annie was gone. You would think that if someone disappeared that there would be a massive search, but that did not happen 
after she went missing. Kathy French, her closest friend, was the only person searching for her for about three and a half years. I needed to find her. I spent approximately $16,000 in phone bills. I had hired a private detective. I wasn't going to give up. Kathy contacted every agency she could think of, trying to get someone to look into Michael Pallon. The mere fact that Michael Pallon was active duty sailor at the time, we had an obligation to seek out the truth. I have to fear for the safety of me and my family. The more and more that I spoke with Kathy, the, the more I became concerned that something really did happen to Annie. Michael was an evil, evil man. I know with every fiber of my being that he had done something really bad to her. We're starting to realize that she did not leave on her own volition. These are the things that you see in horror movies. These are not things that happen to the people that you love. This case definitely turned into a cat and mouse game between NCIS and Michael Pallon. There are a lot of disadvantages to opening a case like this, but here's the advantage. We own the clock. We knew that this is going to be a mental warfare game. If we're going to solve this thing, we've got to approach it right because something terrible has happened to Annie Tahan, and we owe it to her. The NCIS mission is global. We're on aircraft carriers. We're in foreign ports. We watch after each other. We take care of each other. NCIS deal with every type of crime, cyber, fraud, murder. It's counterintelligence, counterterrorism. Every crime is a tragedy. All sisters, brothers, husbands. I feel it very personally. We live in dangerous times. And we're never going to give up. NCIS, the cases they can't forget. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is a story about evil. It's a story about an evil person. Evil walks with us every day. Well, I first learned about the Annie Tahan missing person case when I was at the Berkeley County Sheriff's Department in South Carolina. A detective who was a very good friend of mine came to me and said, hey Jim, we have a very difficult case. We have a young lady that just simply disappeared. We've investigated, and there's nothing further we can do. 
She was last associated with a Navy chief, and he's no longer here. Can NCIS help us? We got involved in 1993, so there was a four-year gap between when she disappeared and we were actively pursuing the investigation. When NCIS got this case, they really were starting from scratch. One of the first people they spoke to was Kathy French, her friend who had never given up searching for Annie. Kathy was definitely afraid of Michael Pallone and knew that if her cooperation in this investigation was revealed, Michael Pallon at some point could come back and hurt her. She loved to dance. She just loved life. Her dream from the time she was a little girl, she wanted to be a mother. At the time that Annie Tehan met Michael Pallon, she was a single mom with three kids of her own. Annie didn't have much family. She met Michael Pallon in 1987 when his ship, the USS Brumby, from Charleston was uh, docked in Portland, Maine. She was very proud that he was a sailor. She absolutely fell head over heels for him. Annie wasn't looking for someone to take care of her. She found what she thought was love. They were only dating a couple of months before he moved in. Shortly thereafter, there was a fire. Annie had gone out, and Michael was home with the kids. Annie's two sons, Jamie and Sean, made it out of the apartment, but her youngest daughter, Cheyenne, who was six months old, perished in the fire. News crews were on the scene when Annie Tehan arrived home. Annie was trying to run into the apartment to save her daughter and was having to be held back by neighbors. It's like yesterday. Sorry. The death of that baby, it had changed her. When NCIS investigated the source of the fire, the facts didn't add up. There was always a suspicious fire but the police department and the arson investigators were never able to, to figure out exactly what happened. Annie Tehan and her two children moved in with her mother in Portland, Maine, and Michael Pallon went back to live in the barracks. And just a few months later, another fire struck her mother's house. There's a storage shed on the side of that house that's set on fire. The source of that fire was a little bit more suspicious. Investigators, when they were looking into the cause, in the rubble found uh, a lighter. It was engraved with USS Brumby, which was the ship that Michael Pallon was on. They never could prove that, that Michael Pallon started either fire, um, but there was suspicion surrounding it. So what happens is, is the state of Maine decides we need to protect Annie's children. So they removed them from her custody and they placed them with the Department of Social Service and foster care. Annie desperately tried to get her kids back, but couldn't. So when Pallon's ship returned to Charleston, South Carolina, Annie followed him there and moved into Pallon's apartment in the suburb of Goose Creek. As if things weren't hard enough for Annie already, Shortly after arriving, she learned that Plon had been living a double life. She saw a picture of him, and in that picture, he had on a wedding ring. 
Pallon admitted that he had been married to this woman, Dawn Breeze, who lived with their three children at his mother's house in Savannah, Georgia. But Pallon assured Annie that they were separated. Annie considered whether or not to leave Pallon, but decided to stay. She was still holding on to that idea of uh, this perfect man and, and having a family with Michael. But not long after that, there started to be some allegations of domestic abuse. At this point, Annie had 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 it with Pallon. She wanted out of the relationship. However, around this time, she learned that she was pregnant and couldn't leave. The baby, their daughter Jade, was born in October of 1989. She loved that baby. She said, this baby cannot take Cheyenne's place. But she has filled a huge hole in my heart. So about a month after Jade was born, Annie still finds herself in this abusive relationship. And she just felt that she couldn't get away, that Michael would come after her. Michael started taking the phone off the jack, and he would put it in his briefcase and take it to work so she couldn't make any phone calls. He started locking the door from the outside so she couldn't get out. She was scared. I mean, she was really scared. Two days before Annie disappears, she calls Kathy in a panic. She tells Kathy that she wants out, that Michael has threatened to take Jade from her. She kept screaming and crying, and she begged me. She begged me to come get her, Then I couldn't go get her. Kathy wired her money for a bus to get out, and that was how they ended the conversation. That was their plan. When Thanksgiving came and she didn't call me, I mean, this is the longest period of time we have not spoke to each other. Almost 20 days, and I'm really starting to get uneasy about it. I started trying to call people that we both knew. You know, have you heard from her? After Andy disappears, and again, Kathy's frantic, where's her friend at, where's she at? She receives a call from Pallon. Pallon told her Andy had left Goose Creek, South Carolina on November 6th, and that's the last time um, he'd heard from her or seen her. And I know he's lying. I know something's wrong, and I just want to get off the phone. I started calling the police department in Charleston. And every time I called, it was like hitting a brick wall. They would not allow me to file the missing persons report because I was not a blood relative. Months and months and months later, I located his mother's number, and his mother told me that she was in possession of Annie's daughter. And at that moment, I knew he had done something really bad to her. There's no way that she would have left that child we are now at the point something very bad's happened to Annie and that she's probably been murdered. So we really needed a break in this case. And interesting enough, something was about to happen. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It wasn't until three and a half years after Annie's disappearance that the Berkeley County Sheriff's Office opened their investigation into this case. But six months later, they came up at a dead end. NCIS agents Grievous and Hughes tracked Michael Pallon to the Pearl Harbor Naval Station in Hawaii, where he transferred soon after Annie's disappearance. One of our special agents from NCIS tried to interview him about her disappearance, but he just said, I want an attorney. We're at the point now that if we don't come up with some kind of physical evidence, this guy's going to get away with murder. You know, law enforcement officers, they do take these cases home at night with them. And this case was no exception. I took it home. I would lay in bed at night. I would think about it. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd remember, I need to do this. You constantly think about it. One of the things that we realized I hadn't done was I hadn't searched the missing person files. He was looking for a Jane Doe that had recently given birth. So what I did is I went up to the South Carolina State Law Enforcement Division. I met with the lieutenant that was in charge of it, and I started telling her about the case. The agents knew that Annie had given birth within a month of her disappearance, and the records department uh, said, we have someone who gave birth uh, just a month before they died. I remember the investigator put up one finger like that, and she goes, let's flip through here. And she opens up a large book with a bunch of pictures in it, and she comes to this one drawing. It was a composite sketch of a young female. Now, I've got her picture in my hand, and I look at the sketch. The hair literally stood up on the back of my neck. I knew we found Annie. Jane Doe became Annie Tahan. Annie Tahan became a murder victim. The victim's body was found along the side of a highway in Jasper County, South Carolina. Within about 100 miles of the apartment that Annie and Pallon shared together in Goose Creek, South Carolina. When you looked at the crime scene pictures, they were horrific. Um, Personally, I haven't seen anything worse than this. This young lady's face was leveled almost even with her ears. This murder was brutal beyond imagination. Her skull was broken into 124 pieces. It took uh, more than 500 hours to reassemble. She was put in a military sea bag, doused with gas, and guess what? She was set on fire. Fire surrounds Pallon. But the biggest thing was the day she was found. 6 a.m. in the morning on November 7th, 1989. That was about the same time that Kathy French reported her missing. So everything was lining up. When we compared the dental records we had for Annie to the Jane Doe, it was a match. At that point, 
this went from a missing persons case to a homicide. So we found Annie and determined she'd been murdered. All signs pointed to Michael Pallon. One of the first calls, the toughest calls I had to make as an investigator, was to Kathy French. I can honestly say that has been the worst day of my life. Because I kept thinking that if I had been able to get to her, he might have not been able to kill her. Knowing that Michael Pallon was likely our key suspect in this, you know, we developed a detailed investigative plan and started to populate what we call our timeline. The agent subpoenaed Pallon's bank records, which revealed a suspicious purchase made on his credit card on the date that Annie disappeared. So interesting enough, we learned that Pallon's uh, gas credit card had been used about 25 miles south of where the body had been found. And really what we're focused on are those dates around when Kathy last has contact with Annie till 7 November where Annie's body is found on fire in Jasper County. When the agents pulled Pallon's phone records, they discovered two early morning calls to Savannah, Georgia, the day before Annie's body was discovered. Those phone records were critical in that we showed phone calls going from Michael Pallon to his mother's residence in Savannah the morning of the 6th of November, one at uh, 0435 and the second one at 0517. And, of course, that's the same day that Pallon says that Annie walked out of the apartment and left him with their child. The agents had a theory that Pallon killed Annie inside his apartment and dumped her body on the side of the road. And they wanted to know what his now ex-wife Dawn knew. Dawn was living with his mother in Savannah, Georgia. So by Pallon calling her that early in the morning, we knew there must have been some type of problem. Pallon wasn't cooperating with NCIS, so the agents turned their attention to Dawn Breeze, who had left Savannah shortly after Annie's disappearance. She was like a nomad, crisscrossing all over the United States like she was running for something. And what was she running from? Quite frankly, I felt like it was Pallon and maybe Annie and her being murdered. The focus of the investigation was not only on Pallon, but on Dawn as well. Through a series of database checks and multiple phone calls, we found out that she was living in Miami, Florida. Before we interviewed Don, Pete and I decided to meet with the Navy prosecutor in Mayport, Florida, to basically just lay out the facts of this case. And there was no doubt in my mind that, that NCIS was focusing on the correct person. The doubt in my mind was whether we were ever going to be able to make the case uh, without something more. Don Breeze was a key to unlocking this case. What was her involvement? What was not her involvement? How did she support Pallon in doing this? Or did she do it herself? This was a big issue, because we knew that, that Pallon could simply point the finger at Dawn and say she committed this murder. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What separates this from any other case we've ever worked was we had to work backwards, which was a unique challenge for us. So in the summer of 95, Pete and I head down to Miami, Florida to interview Don Breeze, Pallon's now ex-wife. On the day of the murder, he had called Don twice. So Pete and I knew she had knowledge of the murder. At no point in this investigation had Pallon cooperated with us. So she became very key to this investigation. We had gone about as far as we could possibly go in the investigation. So I called them up to say, unless you get an eyewitness, we're never going to be able to make this case. Jim and I travel over to the site where Don works. When Don comes in, I identify myself. I show my credentials as a special agent with the Naval Criminal Investigative Service. And I tell her that I need to speak with her about the disappearance of Annie Tahan. She asked, how long was this going to take? Was this interview going to be long? Because if it was, she would like to get something to eat before the interview starts. Now, for us, that was a bad sign. Because what I was hoping to see, I wanted to see the color leave her face. I wanted to see her start quivering. That this skeleton in her closet that's been there since November 1989 is about to be disclosed. That didn't happen. We strongly feel that this lady has intricate knowledge, if not participated, in Annie's murder. We're about to get in a box. This is not going to be an interview. This is going to be an interrogation. It lasted 10 long hours, and Dawn's story matched Pallon's word for word. Dawn told us she arrived at the apartment, and upon doing so, Pallon told her that Annie had left, and Annie had left him with the baby. She didn't see anything unusual. She had no reason to believe that there was any foul play or anything mysterious other than the fact that Annie had left. We knew that Annie had been murdered. We knew Annie had been murdered before Dawn showed up to the apartment. So we knew that everything she had told us was screaming of lies. This is not checkers, this is chess. We would slide in a few probing questions about time. She kept changing her times about when she was back in Charleston at the apartment. Well, what she did is she locked herself in to being at the apartment about the same time that we felt that Annie was still in there dead. And when we pointed that out, she just stopped. You could see it in her eyes. And she goes, you got me. Dawn had carried this secret for six years and knew it was time to tell the truth about what really happened to Annie. 
He said to me that he wanted me to come to Charleston and that he needed someone to help him with the baby. So Don then gets in the car, drives back to South Carolina. I came in the door and the body of Anna Tahan was laying on the living room floor face down at Spring Hill Apartments, apartment number M13. What did he say to you about the baby? He said to me, come and meet your daughter. Remember, at the time, Dawn and Michael Pallon were already married with three children of their own. Don told us how Pallon had admitted to having an affair with Annie. He tells Don, I'm sorry for having an affair, but that's my child, and that child needs to be with us, and you need to help me raise that child as our own. And Pallon had a plan. It was for Annie to have the baby, they were going to kill her, and uh, the baby was now theirs, and that was what they wanted. They wanted that baby. You know, she's talking with Michael. They're planning this murder. All right, what was the reason? Because she had a child of his, and instead of fighting her for the child, it was easier, and he would never have to deal with her again. He had sex with her, waited for her to fall asleep, and then he grabbed the tire iron and then delivered the blows that killed her. He continued to hit her and hit her, and she wouldn't die. Where did he hit her at? In the head. I believe all the blows he told me were to the head. Their baby daughter was lying on the mattress next to her mother. As he was striking her? Yes. Dawn was as cold as ice confessing to the agents that she took Annie's baby, Jade, and helped Pallon dispose of Annie's body in the dead of night. When we hit the road, he had Anna in the trunk of the car, and he had a gallon of gasoline, and I had Jade, and he found a spot that seemed to suit him, and we pulled over to the side of the road, and I helped him to remove the body from the back of the car and then watched as he poured gasoline over the body. I saw the flames go up, and I started to drive off. The problem with relying on Dawn's testimony as being um, the make-or-break evidence in the case was that Dawn obviously had a potential axe to grind in all of this. Michael Pallon could easily have said that Dawn, his wife, was responsible for killing Annie. To make Dawn's story stick, we needed to get her to have Pallon admit he did kill her. And we had the perfect plan to do it. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive. And start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. The way car buying should be. 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Dawn's confession was a major break in this investigation and one of the first ones we've had since finding Annie's body. That may seem like a great break, and it was, but the problem at that point was that we weren't really sure whether Dawn had actually done it, and maybe Palan was just the accomplice. No, we had no idea. In order to corroborate what Dawn was saying, we needed to pull her in on our side. So what we did with Dawn's cooperation is we decided to do intercepts, phone intercepts or sting. We said, if you want to help yourself, you need to assist us. We want you to make some phone calls to Michael Pallon, and we want you to make him make some admissions. So after hours and hours of working with her, coming up with a scenario, the phone call is placed. We need to talk. The body has been identified. And his response was, no, they didn't. Well, if he didn't have anything to do with this, he would have said, what body? What are you talking about? That was a single. We just hit a single. We needed more. Listen, they found blood in the apartment. What? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, everything's gone. Uh-huh. Everything, everything. Don told Pallon that they were suspects in Annie's murder and that NCIS had laid out their case against them. You've got to come up with an explanation for that blood in the apartment. Okay, we need to work. We need to get together and work something out. He's giving me as a prosecutor an indicator that he knows exactly what it is that Don is talking about. Annie was killed in that apartment. There was blood in that apartment. They disposed of the body. Anything we can't handle? Uh, yeah. The one thing I saw in specific was an Amoco printout. Guess what? What? The time is on the printout. It was the day that the body was dumped. Okay? Really? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. That information is going to lead to a downfall if we don't get our story straight now. Okay. He didn't say he killed Annie, but he didn't deny. He did not deny that she was murdered. They were colluding, they were making up their stories together, and Dawn just needed to stop talking. Be careful on what you're saying on the lines. I'm telling you, now just hold on, right? All right. Can you do that? I can hold on. We're together, right? We're together. Bye. Okay, bye. These intercepts told us two things. One is that Dawn was being truthful about her role in all of this, and the other is that Palan was the killer. This camera is being operated by Special Agent Peter Hughes of the Naval. The agents took Dawn back to the scene of the crime. I am currently videotaping apartment M13. Looking for any shred of evidence that might still be there. We took her back to uh, the apartment and we put her in an incest jacket and hat. We didn't want anybody to identify her and it somehow word get back to Palan that she's now working with us. And we came out of here and walked back to the living room, at which time I saw the body of Anna Tahan. 
lying on the floor right here. Uh, her head was in this location right here with the body extending out this direction. She was face down. She was very concise, detailed, and very specific in, in what she provided us and where the body was located. In about this position right here, there was a concentration of blood on the baseboard and the wall. So while we're in there, there's a forensic team from State Law Enforcement Division. They can listen to her, point to where the body was, point to where the blood pooling was. The crime scene team now can start pulling back rug and start conducting a forensic analysis to see if they can locate physical evidence. Remember, we want physical evidence. Since they had moved out in 1989, that carpet and that padding had been changed out several times by the apartment management team. So we knew we weren't going to find anything in mat padding or, or carpet. We were focused on the concrete slab. There was a concentration of Where Dawn said a large pool of blood had been, it soaked into the carpet to the concrete, they did an Amido Black test. So Amido Black reacts to protein, proteins found in blood. So as they sprayed the stuff on the floor, you see this large purple pool just develop. And that pool is exactly where Annie laid and she bled out. But NCIS couldn't conclusively prove that what they found was in fact blood. So they continued their search for more physical evidence. We weren't gonna stop this effort until we found uh, just that. We remembered Dawn had told us there was a TV in the apartment. There was at that time a TV stand in this location right here with a TV on it. She tells us, Michael told me there's a lot of blood on that TV. You need to make sure you wipe that blood down good. If we can find that TV and we were fortunate enough to get blood out of that TV, we can show that the murder occurred there unequivocally. Finding blood on a television that was in the room where the murder occurs was about as close to a smoking gun as we were gonna get. Dawn had told us that Polan eventually got rid of that TV. She also told us that Polan was very cheap and he would have never thrown that TV out and that in fact, he would have sold the TV prior to his transfer into Hawaii. We were after that TV and we were gonna find it. When the agents indicated that they were going to go looking for the television you know, six years after the murder. I'm not sure that I would even say this is like searching for a needle in a haystack, because you sort of would have to search for the haystack first. The agents knew the odds were stacked against them, and they were out of time. Pallon had found out that we had put a surveillance on him. Don had told him as much, so he was looking for us. Once he made the tale, they were afraid he was going to flee. He knew we were after him now. We had, we'd spun him up, and he could have easily just disappeared. And it would have taken us a long time, maybe never, to find him. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. 
on Fail Better. David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Six years after Annie's murder, we were close to putting the killer behind bars. While he was stationed at Long Beach Naval Station, California, we had eyes on Pallant. And the reason we put surveillance on him is because we now know he committed that murder. So he could flee. Could he hurt somebody else? Could he intimidate our witnesses? He was on the road just driving the vehicle he was in. When Pallon realized NCIS was closing in on him, he decided to make a run for it. NCIS agents were in pursuit as Pallon drove off the shipyard and onto the seaside freeway. After six years, Pallon knew it was over and surrendered. On October 11, 1995, Michael Pallon was arrested, transferred to Naval Station Mayport, Florida, to face court-martial charges. However, Jim and I knew we needed additional evidence. There was, at that time, a TV stand. We wanted to find that TV. TV We needed that physical evidence to seal this case. And what we were really hoping for was there was still blood on it after six years. She was still lying in this position? It was key because it's going to further corroborate the statement that Dawn shared with us. And it shows that the murder occurred within the the apartment that Pallon occupied by himself. So many people would say you're wasting your time looking for a TV from many, many years ago. You're never going to find it. You know, move on. But Pete and I, we, we just don't do things that way. While Michael Pallon was being held in a military jail on suspicion of murder, NCIS agents found and interviewed everyone who lived in Pallon's apartment complex in November 1989. Three months later, the agents hit We were able to locate the person who says, yes, I remember Michael Pallon, I remember Annie, and by the way, I bought a television from him. And he still had the TV. When they called me and said, okay, we found the TV, I think my response was actually to laugh. I just couldn't believe it. We sent it to the FBI lab to be processed. They found blood spatter inside the TV. In fact, They found 11 blood stains on the speaker. They found it on the grill and the face of the TV. When they came back with the blood on the TV, I was convinced that it was the last nail in the coffin. When the defense attorney and Pallon found that out, they decided to, to do a play. Defense approached me and said, we'll waive everything, take the death penalty off the table, he'll plead guilty, give him a 30 year deal. The prosecutor didn't like it. He wanted a death penalty conviction. But military law required him to present any potential deal to the court. And the judge accepted the plea. I was angry. I was angry when he took that plea because I felt like he was taking the easy road out. Michael Pallon 
was charged with capital murder for Annie Tehan's death. As part of his plea deal and pleading guilty to Annie's murder, he confessed. His demeanor when he was talking about the crime was like he was reading it from a grocery list. I waited for her to go to sleep, check. Went to the closet and got the tire iron, check. Proceeded to bash her skull in with the tire iron, check. It was like he had no sense of remorse at all. I kept staring at his hands the whole time and thinking to myself how normal his hands looked and how could hands that looked that normal do the heinous, hideous things that he did to her. Michael Pallon was dishonorably discharged from the Navy and sentenced to 30 years in military prison. Despite her role in the cover-up, Dawn Breeze was granted immunity for helping NCIS and received no jail time. I would have liked to have seen her prosecuted, but sometimes you, you got to make some sacrifices to get the bad people, the guilty people, and in this case it was a sacrifice. What I think is important, especially in a court-martial system, is accountability. Is this justice? A lot of people would say no. I would say, look, he was held accountable, and now Annie can rest. The level of effort and commitment that was put towards this investigation and the support that we had from our agency, the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, just reflects how badly we all want to seek out the truth in these matters. This case defines NCIS because it shows the lengths to which this agency will go to serve justice, even if it means looking into one of their own. I can sit here today and tell you that without NCIS, this case would have never been solved. Her children know what happened to her. They know they weren't abandoned. Jade's grown up to be a beautiful young woman. Annie's daughter, Jade, was raised by Michael Pallon's family and never had a relationship with her father. She's in my heart. I think about her all the time. You'd think after all those years that it would fade, but it doesn't. For Kathy French, the memories of her best friend remain fresh. And the nightmare hasn't ended. In 2013, after serving only 17 years in prison, Michael Pallon was released on good behavior. It's devastating. Her life was worth more than that. Today, no one knows the exact whereabouts of Michael Pallon. There's a murderer walking among us today. I think anybody that's around him needs to beware. We have a motto that we live by. It's to the living we owe respect, and to the dead we owe the truth. You know, murders happen every day, and they're often unsolved. But for those who commit murder, look behind you, look into your rearview mirror. And in the distance, you'll see us out there. We're picking up those pieces. And we're going to come after you one day. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries. 
And as the name suggests, it's a show about medical mysteries, a genre that many fans have been asking us to dive into for years, and we finally decided to take the plunge, and the show is awesome. In this free weekly show, we explore bizarre, unheard of diseases, strange medical mishaps, unexplainable deaths, and everything in between. Each story is totally true and totally terrifying. Go follow Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.